0: Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Steve Smith. And he wrote in 2016, the book, The Psychopath Machine, the story of resistance and survival. I've read it in its entirety. And we were talking for 20 minutes in the pre-show, just kind of mm-hmm. talking about information. I did some background information. The book is about him, but it's also about his brother is involved in his story. And it goes all the way back to these tests that took place. In Oak Ridge which is I think it's north of Toronto or in a suburb of Toronto but a lot of that stuff is gone and he's done a, a video on the Fifth estate I guess it was done a couple of years ago it's called Psychiatric Treatment or Tortures you can watch him in that so I'll put a link to that on YouTube and maybe we'll pull, pull it up because we can show some of these notorious characters but on the intro to the Psychopath machine kind of famous author John Ronson who wrote the Men who Stare at goats. And the psychopath test kind of overlapping themes in this book the psychopath machine he write writes about that but uh he acknowledged that steve was at this facility and a lot of this stuff i've read so much stuff i've done shows on you and cameron and a lot of the kind of information that comes out. george esterbrooks um dr shefflin i've done the mind controllers stuff so a lot of the stuff really rings true with the other tests that were taking place around the time Steve was uh, in the hospital, but he can talk more about that. So Steve
1: Smith, welcome to the show. Hi, William. Nice to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. uh, Yeah, cool. So, Go ahead. Yeah, we we talked for about 20 minutes before, so we'll have to kind of just backtrack and and maybe go over some of the things we've already talked about. But it all
0: started kind of, you were a younger person, kind of, didn't expect to end up in this kind of environment. You got arrested for, I think, stealing a car and maybe had some yeah. drugs. And you were you were kind of part of the uh, hippie movement, right? Or maybe the beat generation or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was a
1: it was the it was the sixties. You know, so this story is fifty years old, but it's it's still contemporary because things are still unfolding about this. Although the my own experience was fifty years in the past and it was brief. Um, I wasn't involved in it that long, but it was—it uh, was kind of a glancing blow, and that's probably the only reason why I'm here to talk about it. So many lives were ruined by this. Um, I don't approach this as a victim of it. I was a witness, maybe one of the one of the only witnesses left that could tell the story. So, um, I got on with life afterwards. Went on to. Um, Successful business and and retired now living in nice estate property in the countryside. So everything turned out nicely for me. But but all along I knew that so many people suffered so much and they're silent. No one knows anything about it. It's like it's like just whitewashed from history. So for many years before the internet existed, when you had to do research at public libraries. Um, I started looking into this and bit by bit I uncovered documents and um, put together the whole history to the point where um, I guess it was 1996 was the first um, uh, the first CBC documentary that I did called bad trip. You can find all these documentaries on my website, by the way. So just put your, website put your
0: website uh, address. What's your website? Yeah. It's just, uh,
1: yeah. It's just the psychopathmachine.com the name of the book.com. So under the media page, if you could bring up the media page, there all the documentaries that I list are all there. But the first major traction was in 19, 1996 when I went back to Oak Ridge um, with the CBC and filmed this documentary. So then it was no longer just um, a kind of conspiracy theory. It, it actually started getting traction. So since then, it's, it's evolved, it kept going. Uh, there was, a, I started a class action lawsuit that um, two years ago resulted in a 10 million. Yeah, here, these are all the documentaries. These are all very much, this one here is very much worth watching. This is good too, cross talk.
0: Yeah, I've seen Whitsky I think is her name. yeah
1: yeah, so we did a very good interview. So anyway, this stuff is all really well not all of the interviews are here, but I, I did post a few of them. So the story kept growing and growing until it's no longer uh, it's no longer a conspiracy theory. This stuff is all well documented. They were doing atrocities to people all over not just in in uh, Canada not just in the US. This is like everywhere. The I guess the best people that you can, or the easiest people that you can experiment on are um, people in mental hospitals. As soon as you're declared insane or mentally unfit or whatever, you just lose everything. Nobody cares. Suddenly you're just zeroed out. Maybe fa- family might care if you have family, but I don't know, it's a a strange group of people, very open for experimenting on, as the history of psychiatry will tell anybody. Um, They used to give people lobotomies. Do you know there was, I may digress, but there was a a doctor, his name was Freeman, I forget his first name, but he performed over 1,000 lobotomies. He had a bus that he would, that was outfitted into a clinic, that he would drive around neighborhoods in the 50s, 40s and 50s, performing lobotomies on Housewives. You can look this up. It's wow,
0: little, that's it's, crazy. Walter yeah, Jackson Freeman?
1: Yeah, that's him there. So, yeah. Uh, if you look over that page some other place, I will show you Dr. Boyd, who is the director of Oak Ridge. He threatened me with a lobotomy. Wow. He actually sweet. showed me a freaking ice pick. He did. So... These kind of people, they're all over the place. They're, uh, they're not hard to find. And, but just now, because maybe because of um, a number of things, one being the access to information that we have now that we had never had before. It was so difficult to find this stuff. You had to go to libraries and know what to look for. But now through internet research, We can find all of this, and all of this has been put together. We know that these doctors throughout North America have been doing this for decades. I know from personal experience, and thankfully survived it, and now I'm putting this together. Now, there's more to come. Uh, It's a little premature yet, but here is the first place that that you've heard this announced, William. Uh, Just... Four days ago, five days ago, I signed a, a movie deal for the oh, book. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. So yeah. it's uh, – now, I know how these things work, and a lot of movie – more movie options never get made than do get made. So, you know, I, I don't get too optimistic about this, but it's in the process. There's a good, good um, producer. There's a good screenwriter um, with accomplishments – already that wants to do this so great deals made we'll see congrats that's awesome i look forward anyway. to it it would be
0: something i'd be interested in in definitely watching like, oh, I me too. yeah i haven't i haven't seen yeah. your uh c uh cbc documentaries yet but like you i mean it, this goes way back 19 you're fairly young 18 years old right yeah i was 18 yeah can yeah, you talk about how Maybe just lead, lead people through the process is unbelievable. 1957. So we're at the Six, height of the Cold 68. War. So, so you were there in 68. Yeah, 68. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's I after know, that, that. but that's long enough. That's 55 years ago.
0: Right. So this, these treatments happened in 68. Okay. So I got the dates wrong. So you were born in
1: 1950. Is that right? No, I was four, uh, four. I shouldn't give up my birth date and name. Okay, sorry. Don't. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't. I don't uh, want to know. But I'm old. I'm an old You're guy. You're 18 when
0: it happened. So, yeah. But you, like I said earlier, you stole a car. You had two tabs of LSD, fairly common at that time, right? And that's for some reason, instead of taking you to jail, they took you to a psych
1: hospital, right? Yeah. It was a, it was a, a cascading series of events that led to it. But what's more important, I mean, so there's, you know, a lot of young kids my age did a lot of dumb things. That wasn't particularly unusual. Um, but what's important about all that was, it wasn't just a random event, event, they were looking for people like me. They were fishing,
0: fishing. for they were, it, right. They, they wanted they test were, subjects,
1: right? Oh, yes, what they were it? looking for I was virtually traded. I, I, I actually have a letter from um, a couple of the players trading me like a baseball card in exchange, giving one patient in exchange for me. Oh yeah, I have that letter, all the official stuff, traded like a baseball card. So yeah, they were looking for subjects. Subjects,
0: but yeah, so then you were put in the hospital. What happened next once you were stuck in Oak Ridge? Oh my God,
1: you know, what can I say? It's so complicated, it's so insidious, it's so um, overwhelmingly evil that the only thing that can do it justice is go get the book and read it. Read the day-to-day events, read what what life is like when you're tied up in handcuffs made out of seatbelt material and padlocks. And to get off of those handcuffs, you have to not complain. If you bitch or complain or yell or make any objection to being tied up, um, sometimes really bad, really painful positions. If you object, well, then you just stay there longer. Seriously, brainwashing techniques learned in China. First of all, this guy you're looking at, Barker right here on the screen, that's him when he was young. Let's start with him. He uh, he graduated in 1964, I believe, 65 maybe, from University of Toronto. His first posting was with, as, as assistant director at Oak Ridge, he was hired by Dr. Barry Boyd, who was a CIA guy. Oh, wow. That's another story. Okay. So he was hired right out of university. He didn't go to work right away, though. He was given a one-year sabbatical where he traveled all over the world to study various brainwashing techniques. I have all of this. I have the proof of this, not just me saying this. You want the documents? I'll give them to you. He traveled to China. Now, amazing. Communist China was not opened till, what, 1970-something by Nixon. You could not travel to China. No Westerners went to China for reasons such as this, but he did. He went to China. I have the proof. He went to China to um, a, a prison camp and studied Chinese interrogation and brainwashing techniques. He then went to Israel and lived on a kibbutz where he studied under Martin Buber. You might look him up to see what kind of thing he is. Then he went to East Germany, East Germany, not West Germany, communist Germany were under Soviet control and studied their techniques. Then he came back to Canada, to Oak Ridge and set up the therapeutic community based on what he had learned in the previous year of travel. I have this in his own words. I have this in his own emails to me, in his own correspondence with me. So you know i'm i'm not making any of this up it's all there for those who want to look so this guy that's where he got his start so from that you can you can kind of extrapolate what kind of programs might have taken place
0: right and he flat out said that he learned his stuff in communist china and that's what yep. he was doing right i mean that's
1: what he was doing
0: What's also strange is like you were under underwent all these experiments and things like that, but you were in there with some very devious characters. Like,
1: oh, yeah, you, you know, talk these talk were about? not, these weren't, these weren't a bunch of innocent kids. This was, um, oh man, this was a snake pit full of really bad people people you, um, you don't want to bring home to meet your mother for sure. Murder. That's like Hannibal
0: life. Lecter level.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hannibal, Peter Woodcock. Bring up Peter Woodcock. Type in Peter Woodcock and look at him. He murdered four kids, four children. Um, I was handcuffed to that guy a lot. They let him out after he was in there for 40 years. Yeah, this guy. He was in there for 40 years. They let him out once on a day pass, and he killed again.
0: Right, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah,
1: right. Incredible. Didn't, yeah. He doesn't look like Hannibal Lecter, but man he was a mass he, he was a serial killer of children i was handcuffed to this guy a lot
0: and he you said were, that that this is the ones he got caught for right like he might have killed even more
1: killed i think people. well i i have i have it from him that he killed one more there's one more than the four listed but i'm not sure if that was just bragging people like that brag about how many they murdered you know Um, he might have been making it up because I personally think that the kind of person he is, if he had killed five, he would have admitted it. He would have claimed responsibility. He sees it as a, as glory as a, anyway, when you watch the videos, um, the first one's called bad trip. This was the first one I did with CBC. When you watch that video, um, yeah, there's two that's versions cool. of it. The best one is the one that says you gotta that, age that. restricted. That's yeah, cool. that's the best one. Okay, so bad trip. Gotcha. Yeah, when you watch this video, um, you will see Peter Woodcock. He's I meet with him again after. Oh, wow! Full, oh, I meet wow. with him. When we go back to do this documentary. We meet, and he walks in. There's all these guards standing right behind him, ready to pounce on him. And It was difficult for me to do that meeting because, first of all, I'm on the CBC's dime. They're making this documentary and this is a big deal. So I didn't really know how I should behave. I wanted to jump across the table and punch his lights out. You know, I really just want I wanted to just trash this guy. He's as evil as can be. But I had to be nice. I had to play. Well, you watch the interview and you'll see. All I can say is how. imagine how uncomfortable I was in there after then. That that would have been 45 years later. Right. And there was the other guy. Was it Hoffman?
0: I forgot what his name, too. Uh, Victor
1: Victor Hoffman. Yeah. Victor Hoffman. He He killed an entire family, seven people in Saskatchewan. Back in the early 60s, killed the whole family, shot them all with a 22. So it's crazy.
0: And he he was like schizophrenic, but he thought he was in communication with demons or something like that. That
1: guy was nuts. See, most of the people, most of the people you'll meet in these documentaries, you'll see them, all of this. F Ward, F Ward is great. And by the way, let me talk about F Ward, this documentary. If not for me, no one would ever get to see. By the way, right here at the beginning, she mentions the CIA. The first first words out of her mouth is, you may know about those CIA experiments in the 50s and 60s, but what's less known is the experiments conducted by another doctor. Then off we go, and and that's my story. Gotcha. So, So, I mean, it's really... CIA is brought into this. This was 1996 that we did this documentary. I had no hair then. You there? Okay, that's That's me there. there. Gotcha. That's you on the street in Vancouver, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's me there. That's Wayne Williams. Are you
0: hearing the audio? I guess the audio is not coming. No,
1: no, no. But save that. You know, your people can go and watch these because I'll put a link to
0: your website and the media and the media in there. Yeah. But you say that uh what's his name? Woodcock is in here somewhere,
1: mm. right? Yeah. Um Victor Hoffman, Peter Woodcock. Um look up there. there that's Woodcock. That's him.
0: That's, oh. him.
1: that's oh. him. That's him. That's him. He
0: doesn't look as menacing. Like he's older at this
1: point. Oh, he's a little short. He never looked menacing. He was a little tiny skinny man. He didn't look like a I mean, it, when you picture that kind of murderous monster, you kind of think a different image but no that's that's him he yeah, he didn't look scarier. like it at all yeah it's even scarier he doesn't look like nope and he was a skinny little short guy so that's, that's him right there see i'm being nice with him showing photos yeah. there that's him coming in with big tough guards behind him And that's another thing,
0: like they had big old brutes there at Oak Ridge,
1: too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these were just abusive people that liked to knock people around. Now, another one. Look up uh, Charles Matthew Lamb. Oh, you want a Manchurian candidate? Let me tell you about one. Look up Charles Matthew Lamb, and then I'll tell you about him. Oh, that's him right there. Here we go. See him in, in his nice Rhodesian uniform? See that? Matthew Charles Lamb. Wow, in 1920, 28 years old, that's all I meant. Yeah, when I, he was there when I was there. So I was handcuffed to him as well. Uh, I met with him many times. Um, had all kinds of conversations. He was a very... He, he's also in the F-Word video. You'll see him in there. The guy with long sideburns. So he... Um, in... 1965 or 64, walked up to a bus station and gunned down four people with a shotgun. So he was sentenced to hang. He was the first, the first person in Canada under the new law of not guilty by reason of insanity to escape being executed. So he was sent to Oak Ridge instead. So he had already been there a few years when I, when I arrived there so he was one of the teachers. He was one of the important people, one of the, the kind of mental patients who take who run the asylum. That's how things work there, by the way. So right. he was one of Dr. Barker's favorite patients. This guy got more LSD than anybody in clinical history, as I heard at the time. Just lots of acid and lots of intense stuff with Barker. So in 1970. I, my dates may not be quite right, but in 72, he was released to Barker to work with Barker on his farm. He went to work with him digging fence posts, living on his farm with his wife and children. This guy's a psycho murderer under a right. lieutenant governor's warrant. right? So he works on the farm. Then he decides that he wants to join the military. So with Barker's assistance and his his grandmother's Israeli bonds, which turns out to be a lie, but that's another story. Matt Lamb went to Israel, where he joined the IDF and fought in the Yom Kippur War. Israel denies that. They said he hitchhiked to the front line, but was rejected. Bullshit. He went, I know it because I I got it right from Barker. He went to Israel Joined the IDF, fought in the Yom Kippur War, came back to Canada, disillusioned with the Israeli military, went back to Barker's farm, then went to Rhodesia, the only place where a war was going on, which that's Barker's own words. Went to Rhodesia and joined the Rhodesian military where he was killed in 76, I think it is, by his own people. That's Matthew Charles Lamb. Now, there's a couple of things about that. The guy's uh, in a hospital for the, look at that, eh? The guy's in the hospital for the criminally insane for a murder, four murders, that he never actually managed to explain. Actually, I think only two died. The other two were severely injured. So he never adequately explained that, but eventually gets out and then gets a passport. First of all, He wants to join the military. That means you want a gun. If a guy like that wants a gun, you should lock him up right away. Right away, he should have gone right back to Oak Ridge as soon as he expressed any ideology about joining a military. But nope, he goes to Israel. He gets military training. Now ask yourself, how did he get a passport to leave Canada? And why would the IDF want this guy? Why would they even want him? A a psycho killer fresh out of a mental hospital. Why? The IDF is the best military in the world. Why would they take him? Well, they gave him military training. He came back to Canada with that military training and then went to Rhodesia where he was killed. He was a hero. He died a hero in Rhodesia. You tell me how how that how does it go from there to there? Unless he's the Manchurian candidate. Unless he's exactly what you're looking for, the programmed assassin. Yep. Wow. Oh, and by the way, one more detail the Wikipedia, which is filled with lies, has been changed so many times. Every time I come forward and reveal something, somebody goes in and edits the Wikipedia. It happened over years, happened. So I watched it happen live, right? And
0: Wikipedia isn't reliable anymore. I know. It's just a baseline. It's unfortunate because when you type in names, that's the first thing that pops up on Google. But it's not. It's not a credible
1: encyclopedia. Yeah, I know. It's uh, no, it's it's not. But you can you can infer some things by play. If you're a smarter than they are, you can figure out what they're trying to do and and failing at. So at first, the the curator of this uh, Wikipedia was IDF. He used to have, in the beginning, there was a a round picture of him at the bottom, proudly wearing his IDF uniform. Why would that guy make this Wikipedia? Why would an IDF guy, I have his name, I even have his posting now. This was years ago. I know where he is now. And he's Mossad. He's Mossad stationed at a particular place where I know. Holy fuck excuse my language okay what's really interesting
0: is this guy lamb somebody did a lot of work on this guy he's only 28 years old they really went in detail on this guy oh yeah he must be like one of those infamous serial killers in canada lore or something like that It's my guess well he
1: he was a one-time killer he he did that murder spree and um and that was it they had him and this was his fate so you know if you want to talk about brainwashed people that wind up dying as mercenaries. By the way, it's illegal for a Canadian to go to Rhodesia and join the Rhodesian army and fight in the bush war. That's illegal. Being a mercenary is not legal. You come back to Canada and you can go to jail for for being a mercenary. But no, he he did come back to Canada once and walked around the streets in Windsor, Ontario, where he murdered these people. He was spotted walking around the streets Wearing his Rhodesian military uniform. And it scared the bejesus out of the survivors, the people that he shot that didn't die. They still live there. Wow. Yeah, he walked wow. by the, the neighborhood wearing his Rhodesian army uh, Celia Scouts uniform that you see there. What kind he of. He
0: was in the same thing as you, the total encounter yeah. capsule, right?
1: You'll see him in there. You'll see him in the. Watch the movie, the uh, documentary, F Ward he's there where, okay let's go back
0: yeah wow so he's in this one up top here, emergency. he's in there yeah, he's right in but there. the um and that barker barker's like touting his madness and torture things as functioning it's almost like somebody in the uh big just said it sounds like a clockwork orange it's like that where they were trying oh, yeah. to take these psychopaths and change them into model like condition them or brainwash them into model patients because that's what he says I mean, like I said, you got to take this Wikipedia for, uh, you know, with a, great, a huge grain of salt. Yeah. Liam no, took, simple. yeah, becoming the Montreal Gazette rights, a model inmate. He's yeah. successful. They became a patient therapist. So you have a mass yeah. killer becoming a therapist. Yeah. He was helpful to the other patients. Barker told the Globe and Mail and they look up to him. Yeah.
1: How about that, eh? Oh, yeah. It's all there. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, you know, the the stuff is over the decades, little bits and pieces of this are like bits of of a puzzle. And when you bring them all together and look at them in one place, my goodness, it's really clear what they've done, what they were doing. They were just studying. See, today we know quite a lot about psychopaths, and everybody talks about it. and They point a finger at each other and go, you're a psychopath. But they – People don't really understand all that much what it is, what it means. It's not a mental illness at all. First of all, it's not even in the, uh, uh, what's it called, the DMV, uh, diagnostic DSM or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's not even in there. It is not considered a mental illness. The same as homosexuality is not in there. It's not a mental illness. Gender dysphoria is, that's a mental illness, but psychopathy is not because it's not a mental illness, it's just, it's a character type. We used to just call them pricks, bad guys, you know, like mean people. Mean people, but, yeah. yeah. they're people that don't have empathy. They don't have, um, they, they do not connect with humanity. They don't, they don't possess a conscience. It's, a, it's an environmental adaptation. And frankly, these kinds of people have a big advantage in the society we live in, world we live in, they have an advantage. They can often become really successful by stepping on people. And right. you'll They find say, stock, they stock say the
0: heads of like CEOs of major corporations are almost all psychopaths or sociopaths.
1: Oh yeah, you kind of, by the way, there's the, the, the definition of psychopath and sociopath is a made up, it's a total uh, made up out of nothing uh, differentiation. That doesn't really exist so a psychopath is a psychopath and a sociopath is a psychopath who committed a crime that's about it (laughs) well said yeah that's about the only difference or who got caught and who got caught and went to jail
0: right but this guy this guy hit you with scopalamine too like they were using the devil's breath on you
1: oh yeah uh...
0: that's incredible like those are really heavy drugs like those are drugs people Sometimes they don't come back from that, right?
1: No, you know, I have my clinical record with all the exact uh, dosages of what I was getting over a period of time. Um, Handwritten, by the way, in in the margins and stuff. Pretty neat. So I, I took those to several experts over the years. And one thing I found out for certain about all of that, they damn near killed me several times, just about fatal doses. Those milligrams injected... Intravenously, wow! Some of it indicated thirty milligrams of methamphetamine intravenous, IV, and right. people looked. Doctors looked at that and said, "That's like inches away from killing someone. That's like so unethical." Right. So I mean, but they did. And that's it.
0: just like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you got hit with everything, whether you knew it or not, right? Whatever. Oh yeah. It was.
1: Well, I'll tell you, with scopolamine, you don't know anything after that. You just gonzo it's um scopolamine never it's a very um psychedelic drug hallucinogenic but it never caught on never not even with i don't know what the worst junkies on the streets that don't seem to care about anything it never caught on as a as a recreational drug because it's just overall nightmarish yeah he used that freely
0: and they they give you speed to try to like I mean, it's almost very consistent with what was going on in the U.S., where they were deliberately giving speed to people to make them more irritable and more violent. Like that oh, of was known back then.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, that was part of the whole introduction of crack cocaine into South, uh, into Los Angeles was oh. to make people more violent. It just does; they thrive yeah. off violence. Oh, right? Yeah, it's like unbelievable. So we can get into some political thinking about this because after all, all of this is, politics is behind it. It's right. meant to serve a purpose. So, it's
0: like a psycho-civilized society. So a lot of these drugs are to psychologically adjust you for whatever you know the political people want, right? So it's, it, there's a political end to it. Right? Oh, yeah.
1: You, well, you, yeah. you can take that anywhere, even fluoride. You know, it's pretty clear that fluoride is like, it shouldn't be there. It's not good for your brain. People right. know that. But, you know, governments insist on putting that in water. Right. <laughs> Just the whole idea uh, of putting anything in water is abhorrent. Right. Don't do that. You right. can't put no. stuff in water telling me that it's this or it's that. I don't care what you say. Don't put anything in the water. And it's it's
0: just how sinister people like Barker are. They're willing to poison people for whatever ends they are and then lie to them about gaslighting them and lying. Well, well,
1: psychopaths, aren't they? Because they're after something. They want a goal. They have something in mind. So they'll do whatever. Uh, And it's not only them. It's the peers that surround them because they get constantly reinforced by the people surrounding them Nobody says, it's terrible, you can't do that. Nobody ever challenges them. They just, people follow them around with clipboards, studying them and make them feel even more important. That's how you make a psychopath like Dr. Barker so powerful by so many people adoring him. People came from all over the world to study this program, you know. He's a success.
0: Look what he did with lamb. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. He would bring amazing. people in from uh, BBC in England, and they would come in and study. Oh, speaking of England, there's good evidence. Now, straight up front, I'll tell you the difference between things that I can prove with documents and the things that I really suspect with good information, but it's speculation. Um, Jimmy Savile visit Oak Ridge more than once. Wow,
0: that's incredible. Yeah. Well, he was in and out of hospitals in the UK, so it wouldn't be surprising. Why yeah. do you think that they wanted him to go to Oak Ridge?
1: Well, no, he wanted to go to Oak Ridge. Well, he why do you. Okay, why would you think he went to, wanted to go to Oak Ridge? <laughs> ah, speculating. He's a molester. That's what he does. He molests helpless people. I suppose he goes off. Oh, ah, here. Let me give you something that may be. Look this up. Do a Google search. Look okay. up Jimmy Savile and Margaret Thatcher, and go to images, and I'll show you something that will explain it very clearly. But there's a picture of them together, right? Yes, there is. And I'll show you an exact. I'll show. I'll explain to you what's in their hands, what they're showing people. Okay, is this the picture you're looking for? Uh, no. There's a picture of them with a check. That might be one. He has like two that's, checks. Yeah, but there's a better picture. Oh, there's a better picture than that available. Okay, let's see if I can find it. Uh, Let me try Google again. Google Images usually comes up with it first. Okay. I wish I could do it here and send it to you, but it usually comes up first. And they were friends. I mean, they're known friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's more to it than friends.
0: checks let's see if i can let's see if that
1: pops up
0: uh okay uh okay
1: is this the one you're looking for let's see you're holding up a big check it? here we go here you see that one right there the one that nspcc see yes. that? national society for the prevention of cruelty to children remember that national society for the prevention of cruelty to children this is a check you know about him now Dr. Barker founded and operates a branch of this in Midland, Ontario, called the Canadian Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Wow. That's his private practice. Now, he's now closed because he's he's riddled with dementia, and he's not there. But you can see National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children is, watch out, I don't get sued, one of the biggest child trafficking networks that ever existed. They're global, and they've been around forever. It makes
0: sense that he's involved in that.
1: Well, he he runs the Canadian Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. One of the founding members of that society was an Oak Ridge patient by the name of Michael Mason. Michael Mason killed I don't know how many, but he killed kids. I don't know the details. Child molester, possibly child murderer. Michael Mason was one of the co-founding members with Dr. Barker of the Canadian Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. He's listed on the founding members. You'd have to go to the Wayback Machine because I think they've kind of scrubbed a lot of this. But I have it printed and saved. I even have a poem written by Michael Mason about how easy it is to crush a child's skull. Yeah, and he's... Super disturbing. I know, I I know. I tell you, I I got bad information. I got stuff that'll boggle the mind. So I have to be fearless about this because the Canadian government doesn't like me. Well,
0: I believe, I believe it. I'd much rather have all this covered up and all that
1: First stuff. of all, I cost them $10 million in a lawsuit. Done deal. The Supreme Court won't hear the appeal, and the money has been distributed to the litigants. So there's $10 million, and who knows how much in legal fees over 20 years that they defended and deflected from the case that I brought. I cost them a lot of money. Secondly, I know this. I have the documents that prove that when when these experiments were being conducted and the LSD was being dispensed, it was coming from the Trudeau senior government that is presumed father of Justin Trudeau. It was his government at the time that was involved, that probably participated in yet unknown ways. So this isn't a provincial matter. If it was the U.S., it would be a state matter. No, this is a federal matter, and that's a whole level different. So I've got this stuff. I have this stuff that proves federal crimes, federal, uh, if if not crimes, at least certainly misdeeds. I don't know how long the statute of limitations are on some of this, but I don't think it expires on uh, international crimes, on conspiracies. I don't think there's no statute of limitations so on the I'm 10 million making it up
0: no well, on the 10 million dollar judgment how big was the was the pool of people who received funds 28 so 28 split 28. out. 28 so the but lawyers took half of that and then it yeah
1: out. it started off but but some people got hardly anything some people got such a small settlement here's the thing the reason why I'm not in the lawsuit early on after I filed this, and you can't even find a record that I filed it. It sounds like somebody else did, like the class action popped up a couple of years after I filed it. But I can prove I did because I had the statement of claim from years before and the settlement that ultimately they gave me out of court, um, causing me to back out of it. But they essentially backed me into a corner. And forced me to back out of this lawsuit because two reasons. I'm speculating. First of all, I could not demonstrate damages. I, I couldn't show the court that you know, like my life was really screwed up, and right. and um, you know, you owe me money because you wrecked my life. Because, well, look around.
0: Right, which assumes that the other twenty-eight who received the funds were damaged for life. Is that correct?
1: Oh yeah, it's all there. It's all there in the judgment. Right. You can look it up, judgment. you can download the PDF of the judgment and scroll through it. Yeah. I mean what everybody got and how bad was the 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 damage. But the way I question this, I really question it. How can a judge determine how badly damaged someone is? It's a subjective thing. It's not an right. objective thing at all you know so one of the people right. one of the people who got the biggest settlement is now a woman hmm. huh? transsexual, a man, transsexual yeah. yeah transsexual but the way they present this in any place that you read if you if you casually read about the settlement you'll think your assumption will be that there were women in Oak Ridge. No, no, this guy was a man when that happened. But they but they skip over that. They very subtly give the impression, oh, there must have been women in Oak Ridge too. And that one gets the biggest settlement. But no, 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 there were no women in that program. They were in St. Thomas, but it's another big misdirection they're trying to pull off with the settlement. Biggest. Can you talk about uh,
0: St. Thomas? Like there's connection. Oak Ridge didn't happen in a vacuum,
1: right? So oh, McGill oh, yeah.
0: is not that far away. Montreal. Yeah. Did you ever see? Yeah. You saw ties to St. Thomas, but did you see any ties to you and Cameron's whole operation? Oh, it's all again? tied.
1: It, it's all okay. that came. That came almost a decade before Oak Ridge was actually in full steam. So, um, yeah, you and Cameron's stuff was is clearly documented. What he did. Canadians won a CIA lawsuit over that some decades ago. But
0: yeah, but what yeah. I'm asking is there a connection between McGill and Oakridge? Did those well, guys know course. each
1: other? Okay. Well, of course they do. They all know each other. There's a. It's all connected. It's not like any of this is all done in a vacuum or independent uh, researchers doing their own crazy stuff in a in their own private laboratories. Of course, it's all connected. These people are all studying the same kind of things. They're studying the human mind. They're studying behavior. They're studying how to alter behavior. And they always cover it up under a disguise of being therapeutic or good for the victim. None of it was ever good for the victim, not any of them. So yeah, it's all connected just by nature of, of, of its existence.
0: Right, of course. I mean, of course, the themes are the same. I'm just wondering if there's personal connection.
1: Like well, they're comparing, yeah, there you know, is some things like, well, that. um, or evidence of that, I should say. They know each other. I don't know what, what evidence photographic I could probably, I don't know. I
0: looked, mean, it's, I mean, if it's not there, it's not there. Maybe it's know, there. People haven't discovered it. I don't know.
1: Well, but it, but it's there by nature of the thing right. itself. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because sure. it is connected just you know I, I mean i don't know what comparison to make that would make I sense I guess my
0: point but... is is just is there a personal overlap have you seen barker talking to camera is there any correspondence no they're for... a
1: different generation okay they're they're actually 10 years separate
0: <clears throat> 10 years separate right <clears throat> the um but there there was this thing with the women's psychiatric facility at saint thomas right so there's an overlap between oak ridge
1: and that can you talk about that well, I, it's not what I'd call an overlap. This is, this is a conspiracy. So we went over this before we went on air, I guess. But this is an important point. So I, I should make it if I haven't yet. That there was a secret, and I mean very secret, parallel program to what was going on at Oak Ridge. They weren't bringing BBC reporters there. They weren't showing it off to the world. What a great thing we have here. It was completely secretive going on at an institution that was probably a half a day's drive from Oak Ridge women's forensic institution, women who committed crimes and were locked up in a mental hospital. So they started uh, a parallel program as the therapeutic community. that was well established in Oak Ridge. They sent four men who were teachers. You read about Matt Lamb. He was described as a teacher. Patient teacher. So they sent four men from Oak Ridge postgraduates to St. Thomas, St. Thomas Women's Ward to set up the program using seat belts to tie them up, using all kinds of um, physical and mental torture techniques learned in the therapeutic programs in, in Oak Ridge. So they were sent to this locked women's ward, and here we're, here's where it gets real weird. All four of those men were convicted violent rapists. Wow. All four of them, not one, not three, all four were carefully chosen. I know their names. I have their names. I know who they are. One of them is the reason why I have all of these documents. He's dead. He died. His widow gave me these documents that he had. Isn't this one of the guys right here?
0: Yeah. That's
1: him right there. God damn, what a quid. That's the guy right there. He was one of the four that was sent to St. Thomas to set up the program. There was a pregnancy, at least one that I know, and a forced adoption and a forced extradition. I have all the documents. I even have birth certificates and adoption papers from this stuff. So, this was the result of rape. In a locked women's ward. Now, in 20 years of litigation, 20 years, the Oak Ridge case went on, was in the courts constantly for 20 years, actually more than 20 years. That never came up, not once. No one mentioned St. Thomas. St. Thomas was completely scrubbed from any mention at all in court. Now, you would think that the lawyers representing these these victims would bring that up. You would think that the defense would bring it up and saying, well, it wasn't just Oak Ridge, it was other places. We were doing the same programs other places. No, no. It was completely kept secret, even from the judge. The judge did not hear the information about the same stuff that he eventually ruled was cruel, unusual, and torture. You can read the you can read his definition. He called it torture. Doctors aren't allowed to do that. It's a breach of the Nuremberg Code. So, right, right the same thing was happening to women, and they concealed it for twenty years. You tell me that's not a conspiracy? Right, it sounds like one.
0: I mean, it's incredible. Like you really went through all this stuff. I mean, it's incredible, and you had kind of your brother too had some interesting connections. He, was, he went by Steve
1: Hislop. And yeah, he uh, stole my name. <laughs> <laughs> he literally stole my name. He did. That's a whole other family story.
0: But. Right, and we kind of were going through it. It was interesting because I was researching your brother. We were talking about this in the pre-show, but he was in one. He was uh, homosexual, and he was in one of these early homosexual magazine, gazettes, or whatever. Let me see if I can pull this up. But he's in there with an article right next to a guy who I've just been researching. His name is Ray Brochiers, who was David Ferry's roommate in New Orleans. And I think he was in David Ferry's uh, will, if I remember correctly, but there it is. It's enter uh, the magical world of hypnosis with hypnotist Steve Hislop. And you said his mentor, Ira McGee was CIA connected. Is that correct? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. He was the CIA guy in the, in the San Francisco gay community, um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. You you should look him up. You'll, I'll you'll have. See. I,
0: I was doing a little bit of research. Like we were talking, the pre-shows. You know, I've done research on some of these other CA doctors, so finding another
1: one would be really something else. It seems like the, a lot of them. were yeah, no, He wasn't with... a doctor. He was a hypnotist. He was hypnotist. a stage. Wow. He was a stage hypnotist. He had no medical anything. Just like my uh, brother had no medical t- training it's like a, it's kind of dangerous thing to do. But back in the seventies and early eighties, it was, um, it was a common entertainment thing. You know, like I, when my brother, it's in the book, when my brother came back to Canada and I found out that he wasn't dead after 10 years for 10 years, I thought he was dead. He just disappeared. But yeah, he was off on a total different track in San Francisco or Los Angeles. I guess it was Los Angeles, yeah, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Laurel uh, Canyon. So he was on a totally different track in life than me, but paralleled. It's it's almost like we were both targeted. People have pointed that out, that from our early days in Sault Ste. Marie, when we were just kids, uh, single mother, that we were targeted both in our own different ways. Because it's just odd that we both wind up in some kind of, Probably CIA-sponsored program of research mm-hmm. trying to alter things.
0: And you kind of feel like you were monitored even getting out of the system, right? I mean, even getting oh, out yeah. of Oh, you yeah.
1: Know. And, and, and again, like I said, it's about documents. You can't just say something. You can't just say, ooh, they're following me. They're watching. Like me. I'm a TI. can't just say that. Yeah. yeah. I can't just say that because if I do, then, you know, I'm just paranoid. I understand that. But I have a document dated 1980 a government document inquiring about my whereabouts to several locations 1980 i was there in 1969 this document that i got through freedom of information looking for me in 1980 on the date that that document was written i was in el salvador huh? right. I, can show you troubles, yeah. I can show you my travels yeah, I can show you Simple. the standard my passport that shows you on the date that document was written where they were looking for me. They lost track of me. I was in El Salvador.
0: Yeah, dodging death squads. I mean, you've actually seen a yeah. death squad up close and yep. personal. Like that's pretty oh yes, alarming. I did.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went out on a night on a night ride in a flatbed truck with. Uh, that was that was um, that was in Guatemala. Right, You've had a pretty interesting life, a lot of
0: travels. They
1: lost track of me when I escaped Guatemala. They were tracking me in Guatemala. There's no doubt about it. All that uh, uh, Pedro and uh, how I was – it's in the book, how I was introduced to him, how all that came about. Um, There's no question they were tracking me, but that's just my words. But I have a letter saying they were tracking me. Yeah. Steve, we are –
0: we're at the 53-minute mark. i got to wrap this up. What, uh, is there anything you'd like to add, or what else can people find in the book,
1: and then where is the best place to get the book? Wow. You know, um, it would be nice. You can buy it on Amazon or any of the booksellers, but I really hate those people. they just, you know, I don't like the way they do business. But you can. You can get the ebook and all that. But if you buy it on Etsy, you know, Etsy, mm-hmm. E-T-S-Y, just look it up on Etsy. Then I can sign it for you then because I have boxes of them here. I can sell them myself instead of going through Amazon. It's nicer to do that if you want, or you can get the ebook. And they can can they purchase it through your website? Um, You can. There's a button right on the front page of my website. Click there and that'll take you to the Etsy site. Oh, so that's how you get to the Etsy site. And you can see
0: all of those videos that you've been in documentaries. You've been in
1: on the media page.
0: And is that right. the p- best place to reach out and contact you is
1: through your website? Uh, yeah, there's a contact button there as well. And I, tr- I answer everything. Even, you know, people that, that sound really off the wall crazy that have, you know, they're like, whatever, CIA. I try to answer everything because, damn, I remember how it was when people thought the same about me.
0: Yeah, no, you have so, an unbelievable story. You were basically like a pincushion for these guys, like incredible. Well, anthro morphine much- or whatever they were hitting you with like
1: oh yeah like that. yeah that's yeah. total that's, abuse yeah it just makes torture. you sick torture. all it does is make you sick it's a sickening drug it makes you feel yeah. awful it's it has no other purpose than that that's what it's meant yeah, for
0: dude that's like right out of clockwork orange it's right out well,
1: of that stuff. it's how to beat you with a rubber hose without beating you with a rubber hose that's oh, right there you go <laughs>
0: Great. Thanks so much for your time, Steve. I really appreciate you sharing all your information. Again, the title of the book is The Psychopath Machine, A Story of Resistance and Survival. And The author is Steve Smith. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: William. It's fun right, talking to you. There. Cool. Likewise. Stay there. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. Stay there.